0: Before we start this episode, where I had the wonderful chance to chat with Riley Sager. I just wanted to say how difficult it was to talk about this book without revealing any of the killer twists that Sager included in the house across the lake. So if I am cagey about the plot of the book, that is why we really don't want to spoil anything for our readers and listeners. I will say that I did have the opportunity to ask uh, Riley Sager after we finished recording all of my wild questions about those plot twists. So that was rewarding. I wish we could have shared that conversation with you. So stay tuned. We're probably going to try to figure out a way to have some spoilery chats with authors if we can. But anyways, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks. Hi, everyone. This is Emma, and today I'm joined, joined, off to a great start. Today I'm joined by Riley Sager, and we're uh, talking about The House Across the Lake, which is out on June 21st. Welcome.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: We're so excited. I said we, because I'm usually used to talking with uh, my other co-hosts. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about the house across the lake. This book has been on every list that I've seen for summer. Um, I saw it on people's best books of summer. It was an Amazon book of June. It was on Goodreads, most anticipated books of summer. It got a PW star review um, so, I have heard so much about this book, and I'm happy to say that this is definitely one of the must read books of summer 2022. Um, it's wild, just to kick oh, us off. It's it is, wild. It, is <laughs> it is
1: bonkers. Yes.
0: It's um, so to start, could you tell us a little bit about this book?
1: Yeah, sure. I, I always have like two answers the longest description, and then there's like the short sentence. So, I was at the longest first. It's about an actress named Casey, and she's gotten herself into some bad publicity, and so her mother kind of forces her to hide out at the family's lake house in Vermont to escape the paparazzi. And while Casey's there, she drinks a lot. She meets the neighbors in the house across the lake, Tom and Catherine Royce. She starts spying on Tom and Catherine Royce. and. The more she gets to know them and the more she watches them, she realizes that this glamorous couple with a perfect marriage isn't as perfect as they seem. And then one day Catherine vanishes and Casey thinks that, oh, Tom might have done something to her. So it's it's rear window on a lake with a twist.
0: This is so hard because I obviously cannot talk about what the twist is because we want people to be surprised and enjoy the impact of it. Um, but what a twist is all I will say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to talk about this book. And I I apologize to my publicist because I'm like, I think I wrote a book that we can't say like anything about because you can't talk about where it goes.
0: yeah. That was actually a tricky part of me composing some questions for this because there is a lot I want to ask you about, but I just, I, it, gives, it gives too much away, I think. So we'll just start with instead where the idea came from for this book or, or what part of this book came to you first.
1: It was actually, um, it was October 2020. All my vacation plans had been shot to hell because of the pandemic. And it was just, okay, we need to get out of the house. I don't care where we go. We'll go to someone else's house. I do not care. And so I rented a lake house in Vermont and it was just, it was truly going to be a vacation. But like the first night there, I poured myself a bourbon, walked out to the porch, which sits right against the water and had these big comfy rocking chairs. So like I sat down in the rocking chair Sit my bourbon and stared at the houses on the other side of the lake and was just fascinated by them. It's like, who lives there? What are their lives like? I'm curious, what if, what if someone, what if they're doing something secretive and suspicious? And so like, and then it hit me like rear window on a lake, like that's gonna be my next book. And I spent pretty much the entire week <laughs> sitting out on that porch just thinking of like what the story could be.
0: I love that, that that was just what came to you in that exact setting that this whole story sort of came together. And I'm curious, there are a lot of moving parts in this book without getting too into the nitty gritty. There's a lot of sections that are sort of separated into before, and then into now. And so I'm wondering just how you crafted this, if Um, that was a lot of the editing process sort of piecing that together or if you outlined everything or um, just how that came together.
1: I'm a big plotter and a big outliner. I didn't necessarily outline this like step by step. I just, because I spent a week thinking about it, it was all kind of in my head like, okay, this is where it's going to go from here and then this is going to happen. But I, I knew that like the main thrust of the plot Catherine's disappearance and what happened to her wasn't going to happen until fairly late in the book. And this being a suspenseful thriller, you need some something to juice the action a little bit and juice the suspense. And so that's when I came up with the idea of, oh, I'm going to just give glimpses of what happens later. And that's when I got the idea for you know the, the first chapter is it, it's Casey, there's a police detective sitting across from her, there's a storm, a, a bruin, and we learn that okay, a woman named Catherine is missing, her husband Tom is the prime suspect, he seems to be missing now, too. And that chapter ends with Casey going upstairs, and the prime suspect is tied to her bed, and she says, What did you do with Catherine? And I, I knew like, that's a really great hook. Like I defy anyone to read that first chapter and not want to read to the end.
0: It was exactly that. It was so gripping from the very first chapter. And so here I am talking to you know our listeners about this book. Hopefully they get very excited to read it. I actually went into this book having not read the description. I just saw that you had a new book coming out and I went, yes, I would like that one. And I honestly think that there was something nice about that because I, I had absolutely no idea what to expect. And then from the first chapter, I was immediately hooked. I read this book in one sitting. Um, I was traveling on a plane and I was quite annoyed that my travels were kind of like interrupting my reading. <laughs> um, you know, I had a layover and I had to put it down momentarily to get off the plane and stuff. Um, but I, I read quite a few thrillers and I thought I had it figured out and I, you, you don't, <laughs> um, and I think that's so hard to do. And and I think as a thriller writer, maybe you can speak to that—that that it it's hard to come up with a good twist or twists. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any, um, you know, insight into into that for your readers, like what it takes to keep them guessing when they maybe read a lot of your books or a lot of other thrillers.
1: Well, that's the thing where I think the mistake some authors make is they underestimate the intelligence of the reader and i go into every book knowing that my readers read a lot of these books and so they're savvy like they they know the drill they know an unreliable narrator when they see it and so it becomes an issue of okay how do i take what they are familiar with and then twist it in a new unexpected way and that is one of the reasons I made Casey an unreliable narrator who drinks too much and spies on her neighbors, because that has been done before. It's been done several times very, very well. And I knew that it was a bit of a risk to like ask readers to be like, okay, I know you've, you've been here before. You've read this book before please please trust me it is not these books before and it's it was a tricky balance to strike and i hope i got it right
0: i'm gonna say that you did so (laughs) my definitive (laughs) opinion is that you you really did you really pulled it off i remember finishing this book um on the plane and i just like didn't know what to do with myself i was traveling by myself i didn't have anyone to sort of like discuss it with And I just remember texting some of my friends at Overdrive um, who are fans just being like, okay, read this now. Um, I need to discuss this was absolutely wild. I was stressed in a good way the entire time, the suspense, um, the dialogue, it was so, so good. So I'm curious when you're coming up with the books, how you know when an idea has teeth, like at what point? Does it go from being an idea to like really coming together as, as a book?
1: It's when I can't stop thinking about it. Like I get my, I get asked this question a lot. Like, where do you get your ideas? And the answer is, I do not know. Like they just pop into my head at random times. Like when I'm on vacation or supposed to be on vacation and just, you get an idea and if it doesn't leave my head and I'm still thinking about it days or weeks, or sometimes like I have an idea that's like been with me for like three or four years now that I will get to eventually. And those are the things where like, if I can't stop thinking about this, then it's worth exploring.
0: I'm interested to know as well. This is a little bit of a wild card question for you, but if there is a character from this book, who would you most like to have coffee or a drink with?
1: Oh, Casey, Okay, Casey, I loved writing Casey. She, I don't like to pick favorites. Mm-hmm. She might be my favorite character simply because she is, she's such a mess. Like she is a train wreck, but also she's a really good person and it's a very strange dichotomy going on with her. Where, like she makes so many wrong decisions and does so many borderline awful things, but there are concrete reasons why she does what she does that are explored later in the book. And she's just like, she's kind and she's caring and she's so funny. Like it was, it was a joy to write like some of her sense of humor and put it on the page. Cause she has this like, sardonic wit to her which is all a defense mechanism mm-hmm.
0: that's great she was a really fascinating character to read about and that's where you were watching her make a terrible choice after terrible choice but you're still rooting for her to like get it together and you know the reasons that she's doing things are are sort of deeper than it seems at the start of the book And Um, it
1: was fun to, because she's an actress. mm -hmm. So I could play around with that because sometimes she is just straight up acting. And she'll say like afterwards, she's like, and that was the best acting I did in my life. And so it's, and she, she's also savvy. Like she Mm -hmm. starred in a Broadway thriller. Mm -hmm. So she kind of understands that like, I'm in a version of my play. (laughs) And so. There's a bit of meta-ness too about it where she kind of knows she's being a cliche.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of layers there. And I think that that was really well done and what was extremely fascinating. But there's just so many things in this book, which like, I, again, we can't even talk about. But um, I will say to your point, like if you think you've read this before, you haven't. <laughs> so definitely check it out. And I'm, I'm curious if this is the first book you're doing um, in-person events for in a while.
1: It is. And mm-hmm. it's exciting. And it's also terrifying. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I, I was just at Thriller Fest in New York City. And it was the first time I'd really been out among people for an extended period of time in more than two years. And it was weird. I have to say it was it was strange. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting readers face to face again in person. But at the same time, it will be face-to-face and in-person. And so like, I have kind of a game plan where it's like, okay, if I'm speaking in front of an audience, I will remove my mask. Mm-hmm. All other times that mask is staying on, you will not get it off my face. So like people hoping for like a selfie during the signings they're fortunately it'll, I'll take a selfie, but it will be me with, with like half my face covered.
0: They'll just have to tag you and people have to know who you <laughs> like are. <yes>. Um, I think that's exciting though. I mean, does it feel different when you, you've had um, a couple of books come out since we've been in the the pandemic, does it feel different, you know, when you have the virtual versus the in-person events?
1: It's a lot easier logistically because all I need to do is like roll up to my computer at, you know, 7 PM and log on and just talk. But there is none of the, there's no thrill of the interaction of like actually seeing the readers and you know reading the room and being like oh you guys want to hear more about this okay we'll we'll talk about this and it's it's just it's it's more fun and to meet booksellers like booksellers have been so kind to me and to 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 visit a bunch of independent stores and just finally be like hi nice to meet you in person will be really cool
0: I think it's exciting and it's certainly been weird over the last few years finding that balance between the virtual and the in-person because there's certainly benefits to both. Um, I'm going to do a plug for our Cleveland area listeners since that's where um, I am based in over for Overdrive. Um, You are coming to Cuyahoga County Public Library at the North Olmsted branch on June 23rd. Um, I'm just going to plug because I'm excited I will be there.
1: Oh, awesome. Uh, Like a nerd. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm very excited. I hear that there's a lot of people planning to come and that's so exciting.
0: Yeah. I actually had, um, a friend ask me about the event yesterday and I said, Oh yeah, go sign up. And and she said that it was full.
1: I Uh, I think it is, which is sorry for your friend, but I'm super excited.
0: Yeah. I'm really excited. So I will also be there with my (laughs) book, uh, for you to hopefully sign we've gone completely off topic there. Um, I'm curious if there, if you had to pick, um, for readers that are maybe just experience or just discovering your work, which book you would suggest they start with, would it be this one?
1: That's a really good question. Um, probably because I want the sales, but also (laughs) just to be completely honest, buy my book, everyone, please. No, but I, I I don't really know because because I don't write a series. There's really no perfect starting point. I mean, I I guess most people would say Final Girls. But I I think whatever strikes your fancy. Like if you like summer camps, then do The Last Time I Lied. If you like haunted houses, then Home Before Dark. Like it's it's there's there's really no right or wrong answer. Mhm.
0: That's great. And I'm curious if there's anything that you want readers to take away from this book.
1: Yeah, that it's, it is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And I I knew that when I was writing it, where I just, you know, you, you want everyone to like your book, but also that's an impossible thing. Like there, it, it just is like, I could be so like, Survive the Night is a really good example. I love Survive the Night. I'm so proud of Survive the Night. There are some people because they've made it very clear (laughs) on Twitter or Instagram, like they are not fans. And so like, there's nothing I can really do about that. It's just like, this is the book I needed to write at this point in time. And The House Across the Lake is the book that I desperately wanted to write. And knowing that It's going to be too much. Like you said at at the start, like it gets wild. And some people are going to be like, no, nope. I'm not going, I'm not going on this ride. You lost me. And just let them know that like, that's okay. Like, I I understand, like not every book is for everyone. And so I'm not offended if people read the house across the lake and be like, dude, what were you thinking with this book? So it's, I, I, I know that it's, it's going to be very divisive.
0: Yeah. I think I, well, when I go into books, I think you've just suspend your disbelief to a degree, but I understand that. Yeah. There are certain elements where people are just going to say, Nope. And they're, that's not going to be for them. But if you do want a thriller with lots of twists that you haven't read before, this is it, I promise. And I have (laughs) a couple of really random questions. If you'll indulge me, we like to do some fun ones as well. I'm curious if um, there's anything that you're reading or watching or loving currently um, as you sort of prep to go back out on the road for this book.
1: I my my reading has been very scattered because I am writing the next book, and you know, just between us, I'm behind on it a little bit. So like my my reading time has been really cut into lately. Um, viewing time, I love hacks. Mm -hmm. I still have two more episodes of the season of that to watch. There's a show on Peacock Girls 5 Eva, which I just love. I think it's hysterical. And I just watched also on Peacock. It's Angeline about the Billboard Queen of L.A. She's a very niche person. It's a very niche topic, but it's it's a five episode series. And it was it was fantastic.
0: That's great. And I'm curious as well if you have um, a preferred beverage for when you're writing. So coffee, tea, water, juice. I'm curious what's on your your desk.
1: The listeners will not be able to see it, but I'm holding up like my Mickey Mouse coffee mug that literally says coffee in giant letters. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much like coffee until like five Mm o'clock. And then I usually switch to like wine or gin <laughs> then make dinner. So
0: yeah, we're very much team coffee. I, I need bookers. to like drink
1: more water is basically <laughs> what I'm realizing.
0: It's hard. Um, you know, coffee just gives you that nice jolt. I'm also curious if you mentioned a little bit that you're working on something else. And I'm curious if there's anything you can share. I'm guessing not. And if you're an author that loves that question or hates that question of what are you working on now?
1: I don't like it because things, <laughs> I do not like the question, Emma. No, I, <laughs> it's weird because I, I find that when you're writing something, you want to talk about it, but then as soon as you talk about it, and I, I wish that I could say that I came up with this analogy, but I didn't. And I forget who did, but it's like a balloon filled with helium. And every time you talk about it, a little bit more helium leaks out and it starts to deflate. And so that's why I really don't say much about what I'm working on, except what I have to, to my editor and my agent. Like for example, with with the house across the lake, because it gets bananas, I had to tell them, like we had phone conversations where I'm like, okay, this is the plot of the book I'm working on. And I need you to okay it before I can continue because there was a chance where they would both be like, no, no, you're not doing that. Luckily they're both like, oh my God, yes, do this. So that was a lucky break.
0: That's great. Um, Speaking of publishers, I'm curious what it's like to work with different publishers for different markets and like how involved you are in that process. I just as an example, I saw the U.S. cover uh, versus the U.K. cover for the House Across the Lake. Even the the sort of marketing and the description of the book are a little bit different. Um, And I'm curious how much input you have there or if you just leave it up to the publishers.
1: I have a lot of input in the US, Um, probably more than other authors get because I am fairly established now. And I do have like a little bit of clout with my publisher. So if there's something where I'm like, what if we did this instead? Can we try this? And what if we, so, and we have a really great relationship so we can be open and honest. And I can say like, I'm not, I'm not feeling this cover. Could we revise please, pretty please. In other markets, in most cases it is like, oh, Germany wants to publish your book. And that's that's the exi- then you know like a year or two later, like a German copy of the book will come in the mail and you know it's like, oh, this goes in my collection because I can't read German. I'd have no idea what it says. It, it might not even be my book for all I know. Um, in the UK, it's a little different because like they do ask for my input a little bit and be like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, Oh, I really love that. That's great. But for, for most of the other foreign markets, it's just sure you can publish this book and that's literally all I know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's fascinating as well, because I think the U S and the UK markets are so big for Um, publishing, I do always find it really interesting to compare and contrast, you know, the covers or the way that they market them because sometimes they're exactly the same and other times they're so different. Um, Yeah. The
1: UK is a really weird market in a lot of it's, it, it's a lot of the same titles, but it's also a very different market and they do Mm -hmm. market and advertise things in a much different way than here. And so that has been a little eye opening to be like, oh, you don't, you don't have Barnes and Noble Mm -hmm. over there. It's like, no, we have Waterstones. Like, oh, oh, okay. I just, I did not know this.
0: Exactly. Um, And I think as well, I don't know if it's just recent or if I've just been late to the game, but the sort of the, the marketing around like Barnes and Noble exclusive editions or the Waterstones exclusive editions, I feel like has really picked up and and the way that those are marketed, even with like a slightly different cover or slightly different co- color scheme um, has been really interesting to see as well. What sort yeah, of thank gets you. that treatment.
1: This is probably a good time to mention that there is an exclusive edition of the House Across the Lake at Barnes and Noble, that is which a features a, a bonus chapter sort of showing the events. It's in a, it's a super spoily chapter. It, it shows some of the events from the other side of the lake. So it it's, it goes back to what some of the things Casey was seeing and explains in better detail that what she thought she was seeing was, she was very mistaken. So
0: Oh, and see, that's how you get the readers is there's a bonus chapter or an extra scene. So now I have to get that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it was a really honor for them for Barnes and Noble to come to us and be like, we love Riley Sager. We would love for him to include a bonus chapter in an exclusive edition. It's like, wow, yeah, Mm -hmm. sure.
0: So speaking of the name recognition a little bit, you've established yourself as an author in the thriller space with a lot of really excellent novels. And I'm curious, I'm sure you've answered this question before, um, but for our listeners on professional book nerds, how you chose your pen name.
1: Yeah, the pen name, it was not my first choice to do this. Just market necessity forced me to. Like my previous Mm -hmm. books under my real name just did not sell. And I would have had, it would have been an uphill battle trying to get a publisher for Final Girls just based on my previous sales. And my agent, who's brilliant, was like, you need a pen name. Think of something, you know, maybe a family name, maybe initials, maybe something. And so like Sager is my grandmother's maiden name. And so I thought that was a nice way of honoring my family. Riley was, I was originally going to use initials. My parents are named Ray and Linda. So I was going to use their initials and be RL Sager. And for like 30 seconds, I thought I was brilliant. And then I realized, oh, RL Stein kind of owns the market in those, those initials. And so I looked up it and was like, oh, Riley is kind of those two letters pushed together kind of into a a name so that's that is how Riley Sager was born and in no way did I think that that decision would I I didn't think that I'd be here now like six years ago when I made that decision it's weird
0: yeah. Has there been, I'm curious now that you have established yourself, um, you know, under the Riley Sager pun name, has there been any talk of publishing again under your real name or just keeping, no. um, keeping status quo?
1: <laughs> Stevie, <laughs> Riley sells <laughs> probably like a thousand times more than <laughs> I sold under my real name. So it's, yeah, it would, yeah, there's that's, it's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I can't complain. As long as you keep writing, under any name, uh, is fine with me. I know we have um, some fans at OverDrive as well of your work under your your real name as well. Oh, really? So we That's... do have some diehard fans. At I'm Overdrive. surprised because it's
1: like I don't even think it's available anywhere anymore. <laughs> like not even ebook. Mm-hmm. Maybe at a library, it's there somewhere.
0: Probably. I think they definitely discovered you through the library, which would make sense. Um, but yeah, we have some some really big fans at Overdrive. So I know they're going to be excited to listen to this, hopefully. Um, just to wrap us up, I'm curious where our listeners can find you on social media.
1: Um, I th- The best place, honestly, is my website which is RileySagerBooks.com and right at the very top are like the icons for my Twitter and my Instagram and my Facebook because they all have different just the because the nature of like social media like oh that one's taken so okay I'll use a period here and an underscore in this one and so like it's more convenient just like go to RileySagerBooks.com and there's like the whole menu of things
0: Excellent. Thank you. We'll be sure to link those as well. Um, from the episode, I have one very random question that I forgot about. And I'm going to ask you now, you mentioned that this book is, um, a little like rear window inspired. Um, and so I'm curious if you're familiar with the remake that they did in the early two thousands with Shia LaBeouf called Disturbia.
1: It's a good movie. <laughs> <If> <laughs> it you is. Have, it's, would... it's a good movie. Yes.
0: <laughs> if you had to pick, um, rear window or Disturbia, which one would you pick?
1: Oh gosh, rear window. <laughs> Yeah. Re- Rear Window is it it might be like a perfect film. Like literally perfect. I think like that and Jaws are like the only two perfect films that exist. So yeah, it's 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 a, it's a masterpiece. I could watch it anytime.
0: Yeah, I think Rear, Rear Window is really hard to beat. But yeah, Disturbia is an interesting take for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was honestly pretty good. Yeah. And there's there have been some others like Brian De Palma sort of did it in the 80s with Body Double. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've 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 seen them all and I've I've read them all. And it's I think the reason it keeps being redone is because it's an evergreen. Topic like you could, it's, it's a it's a great plot, like you can set it almost anywhere and it works like gangbusters. You just have to find a way to do something new and unexpected with it
0: yeah I think that's true and certainly all of the time spent in our houses the last couple of years has perhaps lent itself to that that's that plot as well
1: that that was another reason where I'm like does anyone need like another version of this I'm like after the pandemic yeah I think people do need a new version of this
0: I think they do. Um, Thank you so much for talking to me about The House Across the Lake. Again, for our listeners, this book comes out on June 21st. Um, Be sure to pick it up the moment that it's out. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit ProfessionalBookNerds.com. Hey, nerds, I'm Sarah, the Paper Nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on The Paper Fold, where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of Arsenal Mail Communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in The Stationery Community's only five-star paper salon, The Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.